This is the third time I've been able to speak in front of you guys and the first time my mics worked. So <laughs> we're off to a better start than prior times, I guess. Um, yeah, cool. Um, so I just think it's awesome. Uh, wherever Nick is, it's, it's cool. Um, the Lord's kind of been, um, since I went to camp, it, it's just cool to me that the Lord made everything. And it was cool, I was getting to explain this earlier to a guy at work, and it's cool because the Lord made the world. Like, think about that. The Lord made the world out of nothing, and yet He desires a relationship with us. That's incredible. That's cool. Like, He prioritizes us above everything. Um, That has nothing to do with my message, but I I just thought it was cool. Um, But what does have to do with my message is the fact that if you're a follower of Christ, you're going to endure conflict. Um, so, my first question for you guys is, who enjoys conflict? Anybody? A couple. I, I do. Yeah, I know you do. I was waiting for your hand. I was glad you came today. <laughs> yeah, I, me and Marisa and, and apparently Garrett like conflict. Who, who would consider themselves a peacemaker? A lot more. You guys are liars. You got, I'm sorry. You got, I know all of you. Um, no, 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 it's cool, it's cool, but who would say that it's acceptable to take on conflict in order to be a peacemaker? Yeah, so if you didn't raise your hand, hopefully we'll be able to change your mind tonight um, through, through this passage in First Timothy that um, the Lord's allowed me to study and, and hopefully teach um, properly. Um, But the problem is, I think we have our priorities messed up, and I I think we're going to see that tonight. I think biblical ministry demands conflict. I believe, as a a biblical minister of Christ and a biblical steward, we have to endure conflict. We have to challenge um, false doctrine, right? We saw that last week with Corian in 1 Timothy 1.3. Charge some, they teach no other doctrine, Charge some. Like, there are some that were doing that. And Timothy had to take that on. He had to take that challenge on. So what's, what's the reasoning behind that, right? What's, what's really, what's the motive, right? After all, we know God says that the great commandment, right, Luke ten twenty seven, and he answered and said to the Pharisees, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy strength, with all thy mind, and love thy neighbor as thyself, right? So if we're to, to love everybody, then why the conflict? Well, let's see if we can't figure that out. Um, if you guys would turn to 1 Timothy 5, 1, 5, I'm sorry. Um, we're going to read through uh, verse 7. Um, I'll give you guys a second to get there. And I want to emphasize the importance of this this. Uh, passage. This is, uh, Timothy's a young pastor, um, a, a young pastor of a church, and, and I think this is uh, going to be really cool walking through how Paul emphasizes um, maturity through this um, in a spiritual sense. So uh, if you guys would follow along um, in verse 5, now the end of the commandment is charity, out of a pure heart, out of a good conscience, and faith unfeigned from which some, having swerved, have turned aside unto vain janglings, jangling, desiring to be teachers of the law, 
understanding neither what they say nor whereof they affirm. Let's pray and ask the Lord to open up his word to our hearts tonight. Uh, Father, thank you so much for your word. Lord, thank you for um, prioritizing a relationship with us, Lord. Thank you for taking um, your church serious and, and doctrine serious, Lord. Please open up this passage to us tonight, Lord. Um, remove me. Um, just use me as a vessel to convey what message you want spoke tonight, Lord. God, we love you, and we want to hear from you tonight, Lord. It's in your son's name I pray. Amen. Amen. <clears throat> so, the first thing we see is now the end of the commandment is charity, right? The end of the commandment. So what commandment is he talking about? I think he's referring back to the commandment that we just taught, or, or uh, that I just read. Charge some that they teach no other doctrine, right? So, if the end of the commandment is charity, we probably need to figure out what charity is, right? So, we're going to go to 1 Corinthians 13, and this is what we call the fullest mention, um, 1 Corinthians 13 mentions charity um, like over 10 times in this one single chapter. And it's really cool. We're going to see a lot of characteristics of charity in this. So if you'll follow along in uh, verse 4, Charity suffereth long and is kind. Charity envieth not. Charity vaunteth not itself. It is not puffed up. Doth not behave itself unseemly. Unseemly, excuse me. Seeketh not her own. Is not easily provoked. Thinketh no evil, rejoiceth not in iniquity, but rather, or but rejoice, rejoiceth in truth. Charity never faileth, but whether there be prophecies, they shall fail; whether there be tongues, they shall cease; whether there be knowledge, it shall vanish away. So charity is a lot like love, but charity knows boundaries, which sounds really odd, right? But charity also has very godlike and, and Christ-like characteristics. It suffers, it's kind, it's humble, it's patient, it rejoices in truth, it bears all things and believes all things, it hopes all things and endures all things, right? But charity is not and does not get puffed up, it does not vaunteth itself, it, behaves, it doesn't behave poorly, it is not easily provoked, and it seeks not her own. So my question is, is that you? Is that you tonight? If we're commanded to do all things in charity, as we'll see in a little bit, is that you? Do you do all things in charity or out of charity? Do you exemplify these things all the time? The answer is probably not. I know I certainly don't. And the Lord's obviously convicted me a lot in the past couple weeks as I've been studying this out. Um, with that? What, it, what is my motivation behind what I'm doing? Paul is telling his young pastor in this passage to not allow wolves in sheep's clothing to come and take his sheep. Right? He's telling them, hey, confront these people. But he's telling them also do it with the right heart attitude. You have to do it with the, edi- with the edification of Christ and the edification of body and mind. Right? Because that is the priority that Christ has. Right? And so... Not doing it for contention's sake, but in 1 Corinthians 16, 14, like I just said, we're supposed to follow the model, let all your things be done with charity. So, the simple answer to this is how do, how do we get to this point to where we do all things with charity, right? Well, it's spiritual maturity. It has to be spiritual maturity. We have to get closer to Christ and closer to 
what Christ wants out of our life, right? And I think by the time Paul was done with the Corinthian church, he was pretty well an expert in charity. And if you don't believe me, go read like the first seven chapters and you'll probably believe me. He had to confront, he had to convict, I'm sorry, he, didn't, he, he had to confront and challenge the Corinthians on their sin multiple times. So I think what Paul is communicating to Timothy is he needed to grow and continue to grow spiritually based off of what 2 Peter 1.5 says. And besides this, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue and to virtue knowledge. And to knowledge temperance, and to temperance patience, and to patience godliness, and to godliness brotherly kindness, and brotherly kindness charity. So we see the end is charity again, right? So, so we're going to go through and kind of compare of how to mature to the state of charity. And the first blank that you should have is your heart. And we see that in verse 5. <clears throat> Out of a pure heart, right? We must purify our hearts first, right? Why? Why, why would we go to our heart first, right? Jeremiah 17, 9 even says, The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? So why, as a, as a young believer in Christ, would we start with our heart, right? Well, the Lord's only concerned with your heart. That's the only thing he's concerned about. The Lord's always wanted your heart, and I know this because of what Romans 10, 9, and 10 says. For if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, Christ, or the Lord Jesus and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. Right? So how? How, how do we go about purifying our heart? You should all know the answer. It's the word of God. It, it has to be the word of God, right? Proverbs 35a, every word of God is pure. And we know this. If every single word is pure, then 2 Timothy 2.15, right? We have to study. We have to study in depth. We have to know the deepest parts of Christ through his word, right? <clears throat> Psalm 119.140 Thy word is very pure, therefore thy servant loveth it. Now, if you've gone here for any amount of time, over, I think, about four months, you've heard of a man named Mark Trotter. If you want to know an example of somebody that loveth the word, that's the man you need to look at right there. Mark Trotter was known for his passion for the word of God. That's absolutely incredible. That's what I want people to say at my funeral is, man, that guy stuck up for the King James Bible. Souls of men, word of God. That's what I want to be known for, right? So, um, if you're supposed to be a lover of the word, right, you probably need to hide it in your heart, right? Psalm 119, 9 through 11, Wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his way by taking heed thereto according to thy word. With, thy whole, or with my whole heart have I sought thee, Oh, let me not wander from thy commandments. Thy word have I hid in mine heart that I might not sin against thee. All right? So this is virtue and knowledge. If you go back to 2 Peter, this is virtue and knowledge. Virtue is just doing what you know to do. You get in the book. You have to get in the book. Knowledge. You have to obtain knowledge from the word of God. Right? So that, that's the first two steps of your spiritual maturity. The next step we see is our head. 
with a good conscience, okay? <clears throat> this is when we actually get to see people start walking with the Lord for a, a good bit of time, right? They start talking a little bit different. They act a little different. And it's not that spiritual high when you first get, give your life to the Lord. You know, you're all zealous. This is kind of after the fact, and you're, you're just walking hand in hand with the Lord and doing his commandments for a while, right? They start to talk in this King James, you know, thou loveth thy neighbor, you know, talking all weird, and they say, don't tell me, brother, you know. <laughs> that's, that's some sure signs <laughs> that you've been walking with the Lord for a while. <laughs> stinking, yeah, stink. I tell you, stinking. Don't tell me, man. <clears throat> this is where true disciples begin to take seriously their walk with the Lord. And not that the last step, they didn't, but it's just more noticeable that they're walking with the Lord, right? So 1 Corinthians 2.16, For who hath known the mind of the Lord, that they may instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ, right? You've begun to develop a mind that thinks no evil, is humble, and that rejoices in truth, right? And also they start placing others in front of themselves. They start placing the brethren in front of themselves, and, and they start to consider how their actions are going to affect the church, right, and, and the people around them. Acts twenty four sixteen we see this here. And herein do I exercise myself to have always a, a conscience void of offense toward God and toward men. So if we look back at Second Peter, right, this is temperance and patience. This is the next two steps of spiritual maturity. This is often where we see long periods of spiritual success or long periods of spiritual sin and darkness. And I say that because often when you get to patience, if you look into Hebrews 13, you see something called this besetting sin. And so this besetting sin is something that acts like a thorn, and it just continually comes back and comes back, comes back. And you have to choose either the Lord or your sin. It's either the Word of God or your flesh. That's the only two options. The Lord is pretty black and white with just about every single subject in the Bible, and He for sure is with sin. So if you want to continue on this path of spiritual maturity and not get caught in the wilderness for the next 40 years, you have to choose God. You have to absorb the mind of Christ. You have to get into this book and learn to love it. Okay, the next and last point that I have is our hop. You know I had to have an H in there for all you, all you good uh, Bible learners. This, this is your walk. This is just simply your walk. This is, in verse 5, as it says, faith unfeigned. This is where you become, as Paul describes in 1 Corinthians 15, 58, steadfast, unmovable, always abounding, and remember this, in the work of the Lord. Okay? This is when you begin to typically see your spiritual leaders take form. This is when people begin to start walking into leadership within a local church. You see this this weird transition from an inward knowledge, virtue, temperance, and patience to godliness and brotherly kindness. And those two things 
if you study them out, they're more outwardly focused than inwardly. And the reason is, is because you're exemplifying godliness. You're, you're exemplifying virtue on steroids is what it is. It, it's godliness, but taken, or virtue, but taken another step. Everything you do is becoming like Christ at this point in your walk. And brotherly kindness, that's just putting the brethren before yourself. But you have to work through the processes that Christ has laid out in order to get to this point. You can't go in just knowing a whole bunch of stuff because you won't understand how to actually convey it to people in, in a charitable way, in a loving way, right? And the only other place that we find this unfeigned faith mentioned is in 2 Timothy 1.5. And this is really cool. This one struck me hard when I was studying this stuff out. Um, and, and I don't think it's, it's by accident that it, this is the only other place that it's given to us, right? When I call to remembrance the unfeigned faith that I see, or I'm sorry, that is in thee, which dwelt first in thy grandmother Lois and thy mother Eunice, and I am persuaded that in thee also. Man, that's cool, man. I don't know if you guys caught that, but the influence that Lois and Eunice had on Timothy as a young child has grown to where now Paul is persuaded that it's in him also. Man, don't you want to be like that? Don't, don't you want to be that example to somebody else? Don't you want to have faith that's unfeigned, that's unmovable, that's steadfast and unshaken to influence somebody enough to where they want to grow in the Lord? Man, how cool. What a cool example that they set for this young man, this young leader, this young leader that went on to have a very successful life with the Lord and went on to lead a church and, and be a good minister of God's word, right? So I want to encourage you tonight, right? Going back to our passage in verse 6, from which some having swerved have turned aside unto vain jangling which is just like jibber-jabber, like it's just useless talk, basically. Desiring to be teachers of the law, understanding neither what they say nor whereof they affirm. So what this is saying is some will turn aside. Some will swerve unto vain jangling. Some will turn aside unto the world. Some will desire to be teachers and preachers. If I can tell you one thing tonight, though, don't be a bird. Don't be a parakeet. You know what parakeets do? Hello. Hello. Love God. Love God. Be a student. Be a Bible guy. Be a Bible girl. Learn to study this with your whole heart and with your whole life. And it won't ever return void to you. I can promise you that. So, um, <clears throat> excuse me. <clears throat> Uh, you have to love the book enough to know where you, you're going to affirm things from, from the Lord, right? Matthew seven twenty one gives us a, kind of a look of what's going to happen in the future um, at, at the great white throne and at the judgment. And it says, Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he that doth the will of my Father which is in heaven. Many will say unto me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name? And in thy name have we cast out devils? And in thy name done many wonderful works? And then I will profess to them, unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. 
Man. Even Jesus said there will be some that come and declare the word of the Lord that don't have a relationship with them. Are you going to be able to spot them? Have you gotten in this book to know what a wolf looks like in sheep's clothing? You better love this book enough if you want to survive in this world because there is going to be conflict. Do you even have a relationship with the Lord? If you don't, that is easily the best decision I've ever made in my life. I love my wife to death. You're amazing. I love the Lord even more, though. I do. I truly do. And I can say that because I know what He's done in my heart, and I know what He's done in my life, and I know the life that I had before Christ and after Christ. And I know that she would probably say the same thing, correct? At a girl. It's the only question I got for you tonight. <laughs> so what, what stage of growth are you in? Are you in a place to where you are consistently growing and being fed? If not, I encourage you, get in discipleship. Start learning the book. Start doing what you know to do is right. Get in the Word every morning. right? Put on the full armor of God. And if you are, good. Keep it up. Stay within our fellowship. But I just want to encourage you guys tonight. Some will turn aside. Be a Bible guy. Be a Bible girl. Be somebody that loves the Word and can exemplify that to people through their life. Let's pray. Father God, I love you so much. Thank you for changing so many hearts in this room, Lord. You're incredible. And thank you for desiring to have a relationship with each and every one of us, Lord. Um, we're so undeserving. And uh, God, I just want to thank you for dying on the cross for us and giving us a reason to live pure and holy lives. Lord, I love you. Be with us this week, Lord. Um, send us lost people um, to share the gospel with. I love you. It's your name I pray. Amen.